2: on News Radio 680
3: WPTF.
1: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
3: And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. Okay,
1: Bobby, how can I help you?
3: Hi. Hi.
4: I have a friend who is in, in Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, she's a widow. They have family business uh, worth about a million and a half.
1: Double trust. Double oh, trust. Oh, I like this one. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be fun. Tell me about it. All right. Now, this is neat. This is neat. But I warn you ahead of time, what you're doing now, you don't try this one on your own. I know, that, that's for sure. <laughs> this one needs to be done with a professional. Not many attorneys know how to do this. Not many accountants know how to do this. This is not a well-known strategy. Double right, but, unit trust. All right, it's not a unit trust at all. Okay. No, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna find a way to go ahead and avoid all capital gains. Mm-hmm. All right, How much? Uh, give me some of her numbers.
4: Uh, Sir, all I know is, is she's about one, about one and a half,
1: the business. All right, business is about one and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, one and a half million dollar business. And I uh, have any idea how long she had the business? Uh, oh, 20 years. 20 years, so she's probably got a very low basis in it. Yeah,
4: what it is, uh, she, her husband was a doctor. Uh, he was killed. His son is now taking the practice over. All
1: right, it's a medical practice. That's the business. Right. You're gonna to have to come in and see me before I I I I give you a firm okay on this one. Yeah. But I'll t- but I'll tell you this: in theory, it works like this. I'm doing one right now for some property. Real estate works wonderful like this. Well, and she a small has
4: lots of houses, huh? She has lots of houses. All right. Estate. Well,
1: anyway, it works in theory like this. Let's say that theoretically, she's got uh, uh, fifty thousand dollars, maybe a hundred thousand dollars of 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 cost in that one and a half million dollar business. Okay. Mm-hmm. That means if she goes to sell that business today, all right, she's got a $1.4 million capital gain, okay? $1,400,000 times, and she's going to lose about $500,000 in capital gains taxes. So she's only going to end up with about $900,000. And the question is, is there anything she can do about it? Yes, there is. All right. She needs to do two things. First, we do what we call a wealth replacement or wealth preservation trust. She's going to give it away. She's going to give that business away to her favorite university or charity or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. By giving it away, of course, she doesn't have to pay any taxes. As a matter of fact, she gets a tax deduction if it's because it's a charitable institution. But she gives it away and then tells the institution that she gives it to that it's going to be given at her death. And until her death, it's to be held in a charitable remainder trust. All right. Now, she gives it but it's held in trust. At the same time, she sets up this trust with the help of an advisor like myself or someone that knows how to do this, and the trust is spelled out, so all of the income in that trust flows to her for the remainder of her life, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, so now the trust is set up, business is sold, is given away to the trust, And the trust has instructions that any income in that thing flows to her for the remainder of her life. Now the buyer comes in.
3: Call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000,
1: 919-872-7000. Buyer buys it, not from her because she doesn't own it, buys it from the trust. All right. Buys it from the trust and the trust now has the cash. Buys it for a million four. Instead of, having an, instead of paying $450,000 of taxes or $500,000 taxes, there are none because the charitable trust pays zero taxes. Therefore, there's a million foreign cash in there now instead of 900000 We take that million foreign cash and the trustee of this trust invests it. Let's say getting a 10% return. So now you got $140,000 a year c- income inside that trust. And what did we tell the trust that it had to do? What were the instructions? give it to her in that 140,000 is a lifetime income to her okay so now what's happened here and let's stop and reflect if she had sold it on her own and paid the taxes and invested the 90 the 900,000 in the same investments how much would her lifetime income be 10% of 900 mm-hmm. $90,000. it'd be 90,000 she's getting 140,000 instead of 90,000 all of a sudden this is much better but her question usually is wait a second i got my income much higher what about my principal, right? Mm. What about about the million four? That's gone forever, right? Okay. I mean, I presume that's her question. Okay. Well, and the way to do this now is we set up a second trust. We set up what we call a wealth replacement trust. And in this second trust, we go ahead and have this trust purchase a $1.4 million life insurance policy on her life. Trust owns it. Trust number two owns it. And where's the premium come from? Part of that $140,000 a year that's coming to her from the first trust, she gifts to the second trust to pay the premium on that $1.4 million life insurance policy. Now what happens at her death? At her death, the $1.4 million that's in the Wealth Preservation Trust falls down and goes to the university. Between now and her death, she has $140,000 a year income. At her death, trust number two collapses and the $1.4 million life insurance policy goes over to her beneficiaries. Tax-free. Tax-free over there. No capital gains. The guy, the buyer, got his business. Everybody won. Only person that lost here is the Internal Revenue Service. No capital gains tax.
4: Okay, so that's a uh, charitable remainder trust.
1: Well, what you want is a wealth preservation trust and a wealth replacement trust, and you have to be very careful because the IRS will attempt to go ahead and show you can't have anything between your buyer and your seller, and there are very specific rules you've got to follow, and uh, you've got to have every T crossed, every I dotted. It's got to be done properly. If you call me at the office, I'll give you some uh, some more information on it because uh, it is fraught with a lot of obstacles. The first obstacle, of course, is she's going she's to be worried about, what do you mean? i got to give this thing away. Mm-hmm. So you you're trying to find a way to maintain control after you give it away. Right. And that's a little tricky. You want the trustee, the investment advisor, uh, all of that has to be in place. Our number in Raleigh is
2: 919-872-7000. That's USA 7000.
4: Uh, You don't have to mention on there, but do you know anyone in the state of Georgia uh, that you would recommend?
1: I'm doing one right now in the state of Georgia. You are. All right. Okay. I'll give her your name and number. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for calling, Bobby. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it.
5: Well, Doug, Deborah, what else is new in the world of retirement planning?
1: Well, there's
3: always what can help a small business owner uh, start preparing for retirement because of the different types of people who come into our office, we get a large amount of small, self-employed owners.
1: Yeah, and when pe- when we use the term entrepreneurs, I think a lot of people think of Shark Tank, but it's not always that. It's any self-employed individual. So a
3: small company, uh, you're local, uh, you could be someone who um, opened up a house cleaning business, or you could be someone who had um, uh, consulting for computer companies locally, anything.
1: You're a plumber, you're yeah, a carpenter. You
3: are self-employed. So these are some of the concerns that might be in your world in regard to preparing for retirement.
1: Yeah, entrepreneurs and all self-employed people are used to spending lots of time thinking about their businesses, how to grow, how to protect, even pivot them if necessary. What they don't think about is themselves, especially their retirement and how to prepare for it. In fact, one third of them don't have any retirement plan. That's a lot of entrepreneurs whose futures are filled with a great deal of uncertainty right now.
3: However, now, there are simple steps that business owners can take now to position themselves for a more secure retirement in the future. I mean, the first thing is set a goal. In planning for retirement, it's helpful to
5: envision where you want to end up, whether living a modest life in a little bungalow, traveling around the world in your own yacht, or somewhere in between. So defining retirement goals and lifestyle expectations now may help the business owner start from the target and work backward.
1: Yeah, once they identify the components needed for a comfortable retirement, business owners can then craft an appropriate plan to sell their business or pass it along to an heir. This may help with determining the ideal sales price or developing a management handoff timeline.
3: Next, you need to develop a succession plan. In corporate America, there's always another employee waiting in the wings to take the place of a co-worker who has retired. That's not usually the case for small business owners who typically have a difficult time relinquishing control to just anyone. 34% 34% of small business owners don't have a succession plan in place. But it's crucial to your legacy and your company's future that you prepare a solid strategy.
1: You know, when I heard that that statistic, Deborah, I questioned it because 34% sounded small to me. When I think of all the small business owners that I have met with through the years, very, very rarely do I find one that has a succession plan. I've had a couple. But I would say, in, at least in my experience, probably 80 or 90 percent of them do not have a succession plan in place.
3: You know, Doug, you make a good point because Paula Fernandez, who wrote the article, was only quoting one different su- survey. And as we put together information for tonight, I think it's just as easy to say that of the people we meet, 60 to 70 percent do not have a plan and are coming in to develop a plan.
1: Okay, so to get started on a succession plan, the first thing you need to do is come and meet with us. Meet with us at Lewis Financial Management to figure out the next steps.
3: If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website, Doug That's Doug and
1: Then meet with the family member or the employee that you have in mind to take over the business and ensure they're the best person for that position. While these processes and eventually handing over the reins to your business may seem daunting, taking the time to plan ahead will alleviate many of your future headaches.
5: So, thirdly, you need to seek professional advice. Business owners are expected to know the ins and outs of their market But they may not be so savvy when it comes to selecting the best retirement savings plan available to them or considering the tax implications of selling their business. Therefore, it is crucial to build a team of professionals. By working with us as your financial planner, we will help you navigate uncharted Waters.
3: We can help you take the next step with a retirement plan and walk you through the various plans available and help you identify the most financially viable and ultimately beneficial retirement plan option for you.
1: So, we got the first three things you can do. The fourth thing is to position your business to be valuable without you. Hmm. If your ultimate goal is to fund your retirement plan from the sale of your business, then do all you can to make sure it's in the best shape for potential buyers. Small business owners should start preparing for the sale of their business at least five years before they want to retire. All too often, business owners come to us when they're at the point of being desperate to sell. They haven't been preparing for the sale of their business, either because they don't know how or because they always thought that their kids would take over the business.
3: Many entrepreneurs try to minimize taxes by positioning their business to look like it's making as little profit as possible. Bad move. Yeah. But since businesses are valued based on their profit, this approach can actually hurt them in the long run. It's best to start showing as high a profit as possible at least two to three years before selling. Now, once that's done, owners should begin decreasing their role in the business. Small business owners should work toward a goal of being less involved in the day-to-day activities of their business because businesses that require the owner to work long hours are less attractive to buyers. Fifth, start a diversified retirement
5: ser- savings plan. Though selling a business is one way to fund a retirement, many experts warn about the danger of relying solely on the money From a sale to bankroll your golden years.
1: Yeah, what if your company suffers from a sudden downturn in business, severe property damage, as any number of possibilities, any number of possibilities can happen. In these cases, it's unlikely that you could find a buyer putting your retirement savings and livelihood in jeopardy. Owners should have a contingency plan in place. And begin saving as early as possible in case their business does not sell at the right price or at the right time. And these retirement plan options can come in the form of a SEP IRA, Simple IRA, Self-Employed 401Ks, or a combination of these plan types.
3: When determining which savings plan to select, business owners need to consider a host of issues, including how much income they expect to earn, the amount they want to contribute, and the complexity of administering any given plan. It's important to explore your options because no one plan is perfect for every business owner. The best retirement plan for entrepreneurs is specific to each one's individual circumstances. So it's important to research various options, and concert, consult with us before deciding. Let us help you plan for your se- for the selling of your business. Call us this week, schedule an appointment. Our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Let's take another
1: caller, Doug. Walt, this is Doug Lewis with Money Matters. How can I help you this evening? Hi, Doug. Hi, um, Walt.
4: I just wanted some advice, um... Single, uh, have about thirty thousand dollars to invest uh, in the, and I'm, salaried in the ninety to hundred thousand dollar range, uh, with no deductions tax wise. Uh, what would you recommend in terms of a plan for that?
1: Need a little more information. How old are you, Walt?
4: Forty-seven.
1: Forty-seven years old. You got a salary of ninety thousand dollars. Yes. And uh, you do not own your own home. No. All right. So you're renting. Uh, what's your investment portfolio look like now?
4: It's pretty limited. It's pretty much in CDs and um, uh, short-term investments.
1: What do you tell me a little bit about what you've got?
4: Well, just uh, money market accounts and CDs.
1: How much do you have in money markets? Uh,
4: about twenty thousand
1: dollars. get twenty thousand in money market. And what do you have in CDs? Ten. Ten thousand CDs. Okay, and that's the thirty thousand you're talking about. Right. Okay. How do you make it earn more? Uh, you can go anywhere you want, depending on what types of things you want. But the real key is what's suitable for you. What kind of risk tolerance do you have? You don't have many needs there that you have to cover. If you're single and uh, and you're 47 with a ninety thousand dollar salary, I uh, what about your risk tolerance? What's your personality? It's pretty high, huh? It's pretty high. You've got a high risk tolerance, sure. All right. You wouldn't know so being in CDs and money market. <laughs> all right. Uh, first thing you do is you build yourself a, a, an emergency fund. How stable is your income source? Very. Very stable. Yeah. All right. Generally, you start with anywhere between three and six months of living expenses for an emergency fund. Do you know what your living expenses are? Yes. What are they? Uh, about uh, 3500 a month. 3500 a month. So you, All right. So you want to keep $10,000 as an emergency fund. At most, in your case, I think you'd, you you could you know you could even be less if you wanted to. But that's a nice safe number there. Put ten thousand dollars. I'd put it in a, and I'd keep that in the money market account at a mutual fund family. All right, that leaves you twenty thousand dollars more to go ahead. By the way, your expenses are only running you around thirty five hundred a month. That's right. All right, let me. See. I have no debt. Right, thirty five hundred. So you're spending forty two thousand a year on your living expenses. And what kind of t- what kind of taxes did you pay last year? A lot. Oh, give me a number, and we'll find out what you um, got. Um, I paid
4: about uh, twenty-seven thousand 20. dollars.
1: Okay. So if we got twenty-seven thousand, seven two is nine from six and two is four and two is six. Me. All right. So it looks like you've got about two thousand a month, eighteen hundred a month that can go into an investment plan in addition to this. Right. All right. I'd go ahead, and I'd maybe I'd. I'd I'd do one of two things. If you wanted something, if if you wanted to stay 100% liquid, and you don't have to the way you are, you didn't have to be all liquid. but If you wanted to stay all liquid, I'd go ahead and take my remaining twenty thousand and put it into maybe an aggressive two funds. I might pick one international, then go ahead and put the other to the other ten thousand in a growth and income fund, a balanced fund, which I is investing in blue chips. And then I'd go ahead and start putting that 1800 or $2,000 uh, a month, having it as an automatic draft into uh, either one of those two funds, depending on whether you wanted to direct it more into the aggressive or more into the conservative play. The other way I might do, if you wanted to go ahead and put something that was not liquid, maybe split it, maybe put 10000 into your uh, Mutual fund and ten thousand into a partnership and let the other eighteen hundred the your monthly draft go back in to build up that second mutual fund. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You could do that. It would depend on whether you want it whether you need to be all liquid or not. If you don't need to be all liquid, you might go ahead and pick up ten thousand in a partnership, ten thousand in a mutual fund, and start drafting and building that second fund on your monthly basis. Very good. Well, I hope that helped. If you want to give me a call at the office, my office number is eight seven two. Seven thousand eight seven two seven thousand, 872 7000 and I'll see if I can go ahead and get you started. Good. Thank okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Okay, bye bye now.
2: Well, Doug, there are a tremendous number of individuals that call me during the week that are retirees. And maybe we could go over what are some of the questions and answers that people need about retirement. One question that I find that many of them ask about is How does one find out whether they can afford to retire? What are some of the processes that one should go through to determine this?
1: Well, Lynn, let's say a person has read that Social Security and his company pension plan probably will provide less than two-thirds of the income that he's going to need during his retirement years, and you'd like to do something to make up the difference, but you really don't know where to start. Well, you're not alone. The truth is most people never sit down to figure out how much they really will need. Research has shown that while a comfortable retirement ranks as the number one financial goal for most Americans, very few know what to do about it. They don't realize that a small investment each year could create a portfolio large enough to meet future needs.
2: Well, Doug, what exactly does a retirement plan look like?
1: Well, then, a retirement plan's objective is to help you determine your income needs during your retirement years and to develop a year-by-year investment approach that will meet those needs. The process involves seven basic steps, Lynn. First step, estimating future income needs in today's dollars. Number two, calculating that amount in future dollars based on certain inflation rate assumptions. The third step is to estimate expected income from Social Security, employee retirement plans, and other sources. Number four, calculating the additional amount that will be needed. That's really Subtracting number three from number two. Number five, making a reasonable assumption about future life expectancy. Number six, estimating the lump sum that's necessary to generate that additional dollars that are going to be needed during the retirement years. And then lastly, computing how much annually you need to put aside in a pay-yourself-first investment plan, which when invested at an assumed rate of return will produce this lump sum big enough to produce the income to make up the shortfall. That's the seven steps that should be in any basic retirement plan, Lynn.
2: Okay. Another question that comes up is how does a person figure out how much income that they'll need during retirement?
1: Well, Lynn, even before a person seeks professional advice, they can calculate a rough estimate. You start with your current budget subtract expenses that are related to raising children and mortgage payments if you think your house is going to be paid off by then and you subtract job related expenses such as transportation then you add back estimated cost for travel plans and make some provision for increased medical care so what you're really doing is you're getting an estimate yourself before you even seek help and that's possible people can do that on their own
2: right go through your living expenses
1: And you subtract the ones that are not going to be there when you expect to retire and add on the extra ones that you think will be higher, like travel.
2: Exactly. For example, college funding will be out of the picture, but travel and
1: and... Very often clothing changes for a lot of people. You know, people know what their needs are now and they can picture how their needs will change if they'll get into looking at their budget and doing it in today's lifestyle and then doing it in a lifestyle at that time. And don't factor in inflation.
3: This is Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. Call me at 919-872-7000.
2: Another question that comes up because, you know, prices are going to rise during a person's lifetime. People wonder, is there any way to cope with inflation?
1: Yes, there is, Lynn, but the problem most people have in trying to figure out retirement planning is they get confused about their living expenses today and their living expenses at that time. You need to do your living expense needs analysis in today's dollars, but there is a way to cope with inflation by making your money work harder. Generally, the forces of inflation are the biggest threat to a person's future financial security. Some investments, like savings accounts and U.S. government bonds, usually just keep pace with inflation. Others, like real estate and gold, generally appreciate faster when it's high but may lose value during low inflation periods. And still others, like some types of mutual funds, have consistently earned returns at a much higher rate than the inflation rate over the long haul, but at the risk of short-term drops in value. And really, most certified financial planners can advise you how to diversify your assets among several investment categories depending on the level of risk that a person is comfortable with. It's the old adage of don't put all your eggs in any one basket.
2: Very good. Since people are able to collect Social Security at the given time, how can one find out what their Social Security
1: benefits will be? Well, any determination of future needs should be based on an estimate of how much Social Security will contribute to your income. That's true. And, A person's certified financial planner can estimate the benefits that you're likely to receive at retirement. Unfortunately, Congress can change methods of calculating benefit allocations at any time, so it can be very risky to expect Social Security benefits to keep pace with inflation. I usually prefer holding Social Security at a constant in my calculations, not factoring any inflation in cost of living adjustment.
2: So you want to make sure that you get all of the sources of income available at that time and one of them is Social Security and you can get an estimate.
1: Yeah, you can write off and get that. Okay. And a certified financial planner can help you go ahead and do that.
2: Okay, very good. Well suppose a person has figured out what they need to invest each year and it's too much. What do they do now?
1: (laughs) Well, no reputable financial planner is going to expect you to put aside an unreasonable amount each month. You start with an investment plan now and you increase your contributions to it as your income rises.
2: Okay. And will it matter whether a person takes the income from their retirement plan rather than their investment account after they retire? Does that really matter?
1: You mean after retirement? Right. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, it could matter a great deal. For one thing, retirement plans have minimum distribution amounts that must be taken by the time a person's is 70 and a half years old. Now, whether you take the minimum or more, or whether you begin to draw income from your retirement plan at an earlier date, really depends on your objectives and how much flexibility your company's plan offers. Will it provide you with a fixed amount or will your income depend on investment performance? A competent financial planner can even arrange your benefits to avoid the excise taxes on excess distributions from retirement plans. Each person's situation is different, Lynn, because some people really want to take out the least possible from their retirement plan because they know they've accumulated enough wealth And as long as it can stay in there, you don't pay any tax on it. So for that person, they would definitely, it matters a great deal if they can leave that money in the plan and then take the income from their personal portfolio. For other people, it's the exact opposite. They want to know how to get the most out without running into future inflation problems or IRS uh, penalty problems.
3: This is Deborah Lewis. Call 919-872-7000 to set an appointment with me regarding your financial situation. Call me at 919-872-7000. Well, is there a, a formula as to what that minimum distribution is that has to be taken out
2: once a person turns 70 and a half?
1: It's a good question. We get that a lot. You're talking about the question of the person who has reached retirement. Let's say they've taken their uh, 401k or their pension. They've rolled it into an IRA and they really don't need it to live on. So they want to leave it there. And they hit the age of 70 and a half. And the IRS says, you must start taking something out now. You can't keep it there forever and pay no taxes. There are three basic formulas that the IRS allows you. And even there's a fourth, et cetera, formula. And each of them will be different. There is an amortization formula. And there is an annuitization formula and there's a straight table, the MDIB table, that's the minimum distribution table. Then there's even a provision that a private letter ruling from the IRS has come out with saying that any reasonable rate of return that you use will be acceptable. As I recommend to clients, you should, if possible, only take out the income and not take out the principal. Come up with a formula which will, as we say, don't kill your chickens. Just take the eggs. Take the eggs. <laughs> take the eggs. Don't kill the chickens. But you got to come up with a formula that will satisfy the IRS right. or they're going to make you start taking chickens out.
2: Okay. Suppose a person can't set aside enough to generate the income that they'll need or make their money work hard enough to make up the difference. Is there any way that they can reduce the investment amount that
1: they'll need at retirement? Well, there's several ways. Rather than living off of investment income exclusively, it may make more sense for you to use a portion of the principal each year or defer your retirement date or reduce your spending level expectations or maybe begin a new part-time career.
2: You know, Doug, there were two scenarios this week that happened uh, that dealt with retirees. I know that one individual had some retirement accounts and was doing some retirement planning, but one of the most important issues that he wanted to focus in on was a budget. Mm-hmm. cash flow planning to make sure that there's going to be more there because right now there's not as much as you would like.
3: You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, com.
2: Another issue was a retiree who is looking to go to one of these retirement centers where you have independent living and move out of your home, sell the home, and go into an area where you're community living, I guess you could call it, for Mm -hmm. retirees. And that's another issue that sometimes people want to look at, especially if they're widows or widowers, maybe to, as you just said, loose up the cash that's in the real estate and use it to produce more income.
1: Eventually, if you live long enough, the home is going to be a significant part of the retirement plan. It will either be for the two of them while they're both alive or it will be because of financial needs of the one or the other. Or it may be just because of the inability to maintain the home itself, as you say, and the desire to move into a retirement community or some senior citizen community. And so, yes, the the home itself is a very important part of the long range retirement plan.
2: And sometimes with our retirees, another option is to use what one of our clients did was a reverse annuity mortgage to loose up more income, correct?
1: Uh That's right, the RAM.
2: Exactly. Maybe we can discuss that. What is the reverse annuity mortgage? How does that work?
1: Well, a reverse annuity mortgage, Lynn, is a loan against your home that you don't pay back until you or your estate sells the house. The loan can be useful for elderly people who want to tap their home equity To supplement their income you need to shop carefully the reverse mortgage can carry high fees and the interest rate is often higher than conventional mortgage rates but the reverse annuity mortgage is a wonderful vehicle because basically Lynn you go to a bank and the bank instead of lending you money and you making payments to them the bank actually starts paying you it's a reverse mortgage instead of you paying the bank a monthly check The bank pays you a monthly check for the rest of your life, and you never have to pay them back. It's only after you die that your home then is sold, and that's when the bank is paid back out of the home. And it's a wonderful vehicle for senior citizens who need liquidity.
2: Well, Doug, one last question regarding retirement. Does a plan to reach one's retirement goal offer any other benefits?
1: Yes, Lynn, the most important benefit is really a sense of control over your financial destiny and the ability to measure your progress as each year goes by. With periodic reviews and your certified financial planner to call on whenever questions arise, you'll always know exactly where you stand financially. You know, no two financial situations are alike. And, you know, Lynn, just thinking about you and myself, we do that in our own practical life. We're not the cobbler without shoes. We look at exactly we've done. You and I have done this very thing ourselves. We have decided how much we're going to need to live on at retirement. We've backed into what type of lump sum we need to accumulate to produce that amount of income when we retire and how much needs to be set aside month by month now. And we've been doing that. So the sense of monitoring your progress is, I think, the crucial benefit to having our retirement plan in place.
2: Exactly. And by the way, if anyone's interested, I do have a living expense worksheet that I can send to you if you would like. You can just call me at the office at Eight seven two seven thousand and I'll be happy to send that to you. Uh, I think we even have a retirement
1: uh, checklist that I have a copy of. Joe, this is Doug Lewis with Money Matters. How can I help you this evening?
6: I just want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, sort of, give you what my situation is and find out where we need to go from here.
1: All right, Joe. How old are you? I'm thirty. 30 years old. Married or single? Married. Married. Any children? No. My wife, Is your wife working? Yes. Wife working. All right. That's called financial planning for dinks, by the way. Dual income, no kids.
6: Well, it probably won't be that way too long. That's why I'm, I'm somewhat
1: conservative. Kids on the way? Uh,
6: Not yet. Planning. But, but thinking about it, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's another kind of financial planning, by the way. That's right. Planning for I, exemptions, huh? <laughs> yeah, I want
6: to talk about that, too, if you don't mind. All right. Um... But uh, what, what do you? What, what
1: other kind of? All right, income. Do? What's your income, Joe? Uh, mine or both. Let's take yours first. About sixty-two. Husband sixty-two thousand. Wife. Uh, about forty-two. Forty-two thousand combined family income of a hundred and four. All right. How stable is your is your is your employment? Pretty stable. Stable. And your wife?
6: About the same. Good. Uh, but that that's another asset, uh thing that we may need to factor in is that. Uh, if, in fact, uh, we, we do get a, uh, a child sometime in the, in the f- near future, it may be that she she may or may not go back to work. So that's something I've always planned for.
1: Right. All right. Let's take a look at planning. What do you have in the way of your personal investment portfolio?
6: Well, we're uh, we, we're both in corporations that have 401Ks.
1: Let's first talk about what's called non-qualified. 401Ks are called qualified investments. They qualify for tax deferral. but uh, just like IRAs and profit-sharing plans, but we want to talk about your non-qualified investments first. So that that's not IRAs. That's audience, nothing. Right? That's that's nothing. That's in a tax-sheltered position. This is your normal personal stuff that's held by you personally.
6: Okay. Um, other than house and a few odds and uh, odds and ends and stocks and cash, roughly you know five or six thousand dollars laying around.
1: We got five or th- we got five or six thousand dollars in cash. And nothing in a personal investment portfolio?
6: Yeah, well, like I say, I got the personal investments. I included that in there, but just very few shares of stock of uh, things that have been handed down through the family kind of thing.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound good. Where are you spending $100,000? Two two, 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 two 30-year-olds who haven't accumulated a thing in a personal investment portfolio spending $100,000, that would make me real nervous.
6: Well... Uh, to be honest with you, we haven't been married all that long, and uh, we've retired every bit of debt we have other than the
1: house. All right. Have you done a needs analysis, a living expense analysis, Joe? Do you know what your living expenses are? It's roughly about three a month. All right. Now, we got a problem here because, as you can see, the numbers don't work out real well, do they? If we're spending 3000 a month, that's 36000 a year. If I subtract 36000 a year from 104000 that leaves me with about uh, $70,000, I got to take some taxes out of there. Uh, Have you been married more than long enough? Have you been married more than one year? Oh yes. Okay, so what did you pay in last year's taxes? Your federal return? Yeah, about fifteen seems like. Okay, so fifteen thousand federal and North Carolina. Seems I got some money
6: back on that, roughly about two or so.
1: Maybe four thousand North Carolina. All right, let's say thirty-six forty, fifty-five thousand. We're still missing about fifty thousand or sixty thousand dollars a year. Now what you're saying is you use that to pay down debt? Yes. All right. That means you should be able to accumulate or to be investing on a regular pay yourself first plan, the differential between that fifty-five thousand and the hundred and four thousand, which is about five thousand a month.
3: Call me Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner at Lewis Financial Management. Call me at 919-872-7000, 919-872-7000.
6: Well, it's, I don't know if, um, you know, yeah, I, I guess I see what you're saying there, but we're uh, we're in an 18% situation where 18% of our salaries are deferred and going to investment. Uh, when As a lump sum there, 18, 12 of hers and six of mine.
1: Well, even if you are, even if it's 18% of 100000 that's 18000 still That still leaves us about 30000 mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, what you're doing, I don't like. I don't like putting everything into qualified money because you're locking it away for the next 29 years. And you can't get to that money without severe, severe penalties in some cases, in some cases not at all. Right. So you should reduce your 401k contributions to the point, are they matching you? Yes. Reduce it to the match. hmm Don't let the tax tail wag the dog. You mm-hmm. should be building. You should first have an emergency fund, maybe three months, maybe four months. If you're thinking that your wife will be, you know, again, you got to look at, at the possibility of kids coming and, and even move it up. Uh, but I think three or four months should be enough if you're making 62000 That's all right.
0: Well, what, what I was going to
6: say is uh, that, that the, the paying down has just been recently completed and the six is a result of of the accumulation of that, that buffer that you keep talking about all right i feel like in another month or so i'll be to the point where i get that three four month buffer and then we're starting to talk about that uh, good
1: then you've got about 3 or 4000 a month that you can be putting somewhere right even after contributing the 401k allocation up to the match right right that's exactly what you should be doing. You want to work with an asset allocation model? You want to work with a certified financial planner to help you properly focus it? And I uh, and of course if you say that you may be taking a significant reduction of 40% of your income, then it's even more crucial that you, you know, that you use the time between now and then.
6: Right, right. I agree with you on that. Let me ask you about that. What's the best way, what do you recommend saving for children once they're born? Uh, saving
1: for education. Well, it's the same thing. You you f- you do an educational needs analysis. What we do at our office is we factor. In, we 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 first decide whether we're saving for public or private universities. We get the cost. We uh, throw it to the future, to what the value is going to be. What we're going to need at that time. Whether it's eight hundred or nine hundred thousand dollars at that time. Whatever the number is going to be the numbers are getting very big, as you can imagine, when you're going out 18 years. Right. And then we back down to how much we need to be putting aside monthly to accumulate that amount to reach that point at that time. And with 18 years, you can do it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. I can tell right off, the, right off the bat that your numbers will make it. By the way, don't put that money in UGMA accounts. Keep the money in your own name. Right, right. I've heard horror stories about that. Right, because you're looking at large dollars that will be given to a kid irrevocably. Right. But that should be part of your financial plan, Tone uh, Joe. That should be part of the plan: educational planning, and tax planning, and cash flow planning, and retirement planning simultaneously. If you'd like to call, uh, I'm sorry, Lynn.
2: Yeah, Joe. If you if you like to call the office at eight seven two seven thousand eight seven two seven thousand, I can send you some information that might help you uh, put all this in order.
1: Okay. All righty. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks. Thank for you calling. for calling.
2: Uh-huh. Let's take the next caller, Doug.
1: Well, Robert, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening?
2: Doug,
0: I have retired within the last year, and my house is not paid off. And I'm thinking about paying that off right now. And I want to run it by you to see if you could give me some advice and make sure I'm doing the right thing.
1: All right. Let's go through the numbers. Okay. How old are you? I'm 57. 57 years old. Right. All right, you retired within the past year? Is your wife working?
0: Uh, she works part-time, yes.
1: All right. What income do you have right now?
0: With her working in my retirement in the
1: 40s. All right. Your wife's working part-time. How much is her income, approximately?
0: Uh, she, approximately half of that.
1: About $20,000? Mm-hmm. All right. And you have a pension income coming, or you're working at another job? No, no. I have a pension. Okay. So you have a pension, so that's fixed. Mm, right. And that's 20000 uh, Yes. All right. You have no children still living at home? No. Okay. Do you have any idea what your lifestyle is running you?
0: We have never lived high. We are living essentially on my pension now. And we're saving her income.
1: Saving twenty
2: thousand a year?
1: Well, that's the taxes out of it. I guess what you're saying is you really don't know what your what your living expenses well, are. It's
0: running I would guess a thousand to twelve, fourteen hundred
1: dollars a month. All right, if it's running twelve hundred to fourteen hundred a month, and of course, those are just your regular monthly expenses. They don't take into consideration vacations or gifts true, or true. all the other things that are the non-recurring. True. All right. And now, how much is the mortgage? It's about twenty thousand. The mortgage is twenty thousand, and the payments are
0: just under two hundred and fifty. And that does not include uh,
1: tax and. Insurance. Good. Good. I wanted to keep it separate. All right. So it's about two hundred and fifty dollars a month, just principal and interest. Right. All right. And it's a Thirty year?
0: Uh, yes, we we assumed it, and
1: uh, there's approximately ten years
0: left on it, just over ten years.
1: All right. What about your investments? Let's go to your income, the uh, investment portfolio.
0: Okay, uh, in my four hundred one k plan, which I have not touched, there's approximately
1: two hundred seventy five thousand dollars in that. 275, and you left that at your old employer? It's still there, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a real no-no, by the way. The first thing, one of the cardinal rules that we always advise every client is get your 401k money, your pension money, your your profit-sharing money, get all of what's called qualified monies Mm -hmm. under your control when you retire. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is you want to definitely, and I know this isn't answering the question that you brought out, But I I have a reason, a method to my madness here. Well, that's a question also. All right. So we want to go ahead and we want to roll over the 275. You want to roll that to an independent special, an independent trust company that gives you total control. You want to design an investment portfolio with the help of a certified financial planner that will go ahead and be uh, conservative, but income producing. And uh, you ought to be able to go ahead and I would say, get about 20000 a year income. If you need
3: help, call me, Deborah Lewis, 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. What do we do
0: about the Uh, Before tax money and after tax money. How do we keep that separate?
1: In the 401k, first of all, it's probably all uh, pre-tax, right? Uh,
0: No, I've got some after... In fact, most of it is after tax money. Not most, over half of it.
1: That's interesting. Well, that works out even better then. The after tax money, you take possession of. There is no tax on that. Right. So, uh, you think there's about... Now, we have to be careful here. Your 275, if you look at it carefully, will break into about five components. The first is the pre-tax contribution. Right. Then will be the growth on the pre-tax contribution. Mm-hmm. Then there'll be the after-tax contribution. Right. And then there'll be the growth on the after-tax contribution. And was there any company match?
0: Uh, yes, there's some company matching it, but it's in stock.
1: All right. The company match, of course, is pre-tax. Right. And there's growth on that. Right. All of the pieces except the original after-tax contribution can be rolled over. Okay. Not the growth on the after-tax contribution. Okay. I, mean, I mean, I'm sorry, including the growth on the after-tax contribution. Okay. Even that. So we have to go back and find out what is the amount that you contributed after-tax dollars, mm-hmm. unless you know that number. No, I All right. We'll assume that right now you figure it's about half and half between the two, maybe 130 and 130, but of the 130 that came from after-tax contributions, maybe that was about 60,000 was contribution, and the rest might have been growth on it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. Mm -hmm. If it worked out that way, the 60, you take possession of. Okay. That's a beautiful thing for you because it's tax-free. Right. All right. All the rest of it, let's say the 215,000. That rolls over to an IRA. Right. Okay, so that answers that question. The original contribution on the pre on the after-tax does not qualify for rollover, and you wouldn't want it to. Right. So that comes out and is separated. Okay. All of the rest is rolled over. Okay. Okay. Now, back to the rest of your investment portfolio. What else do you personally have?
0: Okay, we've got uh, one CD that's about $27,000. mm hmm We've got one that's about
1: 66000
0: 67000 Okay. And we've got uh, two different accounts that uh, totals about 35000 that's just sitting there
1: earning essentially nothing. Okay. You really need some help, I'll tell you, Robert. That, I mean, this is terrible.
3: This is Deborah Lewis. Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000.
1: You're telling me you've, you're sitting there with 130 some thousand in cash and cash equivalents. Right. That's really another no no. And that's the total investment. You have no personal investments, just CDs and checking. True. Okay. All right. Back to your questions. Anything else I need to know about your picture?
0: Mm, no. Uh, other than the house, uh, other than our monthly bills, we owe nothing.
1: How much is the house worth?
0: Uh, I'm guessing 140, 150
1: thousand. Okay, and so the big question is, what do we do with this with this, with this twenty thousand dollar mortgage?
0: Yeah, my concern is I've got another ten years to pay on it, and if I if I go it monthly, I'm going to pay thirty thousand. I can pay it off for twenty. I'm going to save myself ten thousand dollars. And that that's really where I'm coming from.
1: All right. Well, you've got a number of options that you can do, and all of them will work for you. The question is really what works for you best. Okay. True. What I think I would do is I'd go ahead, I'd do the IRA rollover, number one. I'd go ahead and see how much comes out of the, in the after tax and add that to my personal portfolio. I would go ahead and reduce my liquid uh, emergency fund, my, my, the stuff that I'm keeping in cash and cash equivalents, to six months living expenses. That's still not even $10,000. alright right, I'll go as high as 10000 Keep $10,000 and no more in a money market account with a check writing privileges. Okay, that's going to leave you with maybe one hundred and eighty thousand to go ahead and invest personally. Your One hundred and eighty thousand ought to be able to go ahead and get for you in today's market about fourteen thousand a year income. Okay. now what I've done for you is I've protected those chickens I'm talking about because the chickens are producing eggs. Right. Chickens are what I call the principle of your investment. The eggs are the income. Okay. I take my house mortgage and believe it or not, I would actually refinance it. And I know this is going to blow your mind, but I would refinance it for a 30-year mortgage. Okay. It will go ahead and give you a little bit of tax deduction, which you can use. You'll keep yourself liquid enough, and your income is coming in fast enough now from your investments, producing $14,000 a year in investment income over on your personal investments. If you chose to, you could accumulate and... Uh, and pay that off at any time or you could have that reinvested but I think the compounding of all of your money working for you you see you will grow the money on that 35 on that that uh, the, in other words if you have the choice of taking the twenty thousand and paying it off right or taking the twenty thousand and investing it well I'd much rather borrow money at four percent and make it grow at twelve percent. And you can go ahead and have your the, have your twenty thousand invested, growing for you far faster than any equity in your home might ever be growing. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any need to go ahead and do that. I think that I think that what you've got is a very nice position, a very nice potential. Right now, it's it's all in the wrong places. Okay,
2: Robert. If you'd like some further information, I'll be happy to send you some. If you'll call the office at eight seven two seven thousand. 8727000 during okay. the week.
0: Okay, Linda, I, I want to do
2: that. Yeah, uh, and then, you know, we can probably give you some more uh detailed assistance. Very good. Okay.
0: Okay, thanks much.
2: And thanks Thank for, for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Well, Doug, what's new in the world of retirement this evening?
1: Well, Linda, in retirement planning, I think we probably need to go back over the retirement income needs checklist. You know, you and I have gone over this several times on the air in the past, and why don't you Tell me, do you recall the first item in the Retirement Income Needs Checklist?
2: Well, I sure do. Firstly, people should analyze their present situation, and that includes income, expenses, assets, and liabilities.
1: Right. First thing is analyze. Analyze your present situation. And number two in the checklist is determine which of your expenses are likely to decrease after you retire and which are likely to increase.
2: Thirdly, remember to set your annual and monthly financial retirement goals.
1: The fourth one is to find out how much you can expect to receive from Social Security and veterans' benefits and pension plans.
2: People can call Social Security, right, Doug, to get an estimate as to what they can receive at retirement.
1: Yeah, they won't give it to you over the phone, Lynn, but they will send you a form that you can fill in, a very simple little form, and then within a few weeks, you'll get a response on what your estimated Social Security benefit should be.
2: Exactly, and people should contact their Retirement Benefits Department and get a printout on what their options are, right?
1: If they offer you a printout, but some sort of an estimate. Right, Lynn? Exactly. Right. That's our fourth thing in the checklist.
2: Fifthly, estimate how much you should receive from the interest that's earned on your savings accounts on your investments and from your real estate rentals as
1: well right in other words estimate how much your investment income is going to be because we've already checked in step four how much your other income will be from Social Security veterans benefits and pensions sixth step is to review insurance policies to see whether they will meet your present and your future needs
2: seventh Know the amount that you must begin setting aside monthly and yearly to close the gap between your retirement income goals and your potential retirement
1: income. Yeah, that's basically, Linda, going to be the pay-yourself-first plan. That's what it's going to be. People need to, when they find there's a shortfall, then they need to go ahead and compute how much to set aside on a regular monthly basis to make sure that they close that gap if they're able to. And And that's the seventh one. And it's best to start early, right? Well, as soon as you... Don't wait till you're 60. As soon as you take a look at your checklist, that's when you should start looking. That's exactly right, Lynn. So that's the seventh step. The eighth step, of course, is to try and pay off significantly large bills now to avoid facing them when you retire.
2: And ninth, make sure you have sufficient health insurance coverage in place.
1: If you would like to call our offices during the week, our office number is 919 872 919-USA-7000. Well, that's all the money matters we have time for today. So we want to thank all our listeners for joining us. And for any other questions you may have, call my office during the week and we'll set up an appointment to meet with you personally. That number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And we'll be back next week on this same station at the same time. In the meantime, have a great week, and remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake.
6: You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug and Linda in Raleigh at 872-7000. That's USA 7000. Listen again next Sunday at 6.05 for Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis
0: on 680 WPTF. Mm